Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is the next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Get fired up. Oh, yeah. Performance-enhancing audio. audio. This is the State of Combat Podcast with Brian Campbell. Oh, yeah, the greatest song in the history of the podcast game. There it is, the jam band theme song to get you into the SOC. Uh, how about we get you out of the SOC? What, what the heck does that mean, BC? It's your boy, the Brian Campbell. As you already know, uh, it's merging time around here. A little bit of purging time as well. This would normally be where you would hear the State of Combat Mixed Martial Arts podcast with Shot Evans and myself. But as you've already been woke to, we are in the process of transitioning the SOC to the MK Morning Combat, brought to you, of course, by Showtime and CBS Sports. Luke Thomas, my co-host every week. Well, this week, Luke Thomas on vacation ahead of the big launch, looking to be next week-ish. As you guys may or may not know, next week is a Showtime pay-per-view doubleheader, two cards, one night, one price, featuring the Charlo brothers, also Big-time UFC pay-per-view with Israel Adesanya and Paulo Costa. Great week to launch. A lot of what we will be doing. Yes, Rashad Evans. Yes, Rafe Bartholomew of the SOC Day. Still part of this MK takeover in some form as we put the pieces together. But this week, Luke stepped aside for vacation. Rashad stepped in to morning combat. So why don't you uh, buckle up for that listen uh, as we make the final go-arounds of the SOC this week, Rashad and I got together to uh, look back on UFC's Fight Night card, Michelle Waterson's big victory over Angela Hill. Did the judges get it right? A big weekend for Bellator with two outstanding cards uh, with, with title implications in both of the main events and also some big announcements for Bellator. We also look at the Conor McGregor situation going on in France. Uh, Canelo Alvarez's courtroom situation and a look ahead to this weekend's big fights. We're talking about Showtime Boxing's return with Terrell Gaucher and Erickson Lubin and UFC Fight Night. Tyron Woodley, Colby Covington, buckle up, get ready. Lot to get into, lot to get excited about, folks. Uh, MK is going to be a, going to be your life. It's going to be a part of your life. It's going to be your life. It's going to be deep in that Coakley eye. Uh, you can also visually watch it on YouTube as well. Uh, the working plan is that we're going to hit you hard Monday, Wednesday, Friday, three live shows per week, talking all things boxing, mixed martial arts. Tuesdays and Thursdays are going to be your bonus days. It's going to be a lot of different types of content weaving in and out on those days. Some solo with just BC. You got some BC and Rafe. Rashad's going to be around. Luke Thomas does plenty of uh, of solo vehicles that you're going to want to see as well, from the fan Q&A to his breakdowns and all that. Uh, great interviews with fighters. Uh, you just set your coordinates moving forward on a combat scale to all things morning combat. You'll be taken well care of, all right? The performance-enhancing audio is fusing with all things Luke Thomas's beard, and everyone will be happy in the long run. I guarantee it. I know you love a happy ending. Indeed, uh, Mr. Kraft. Thank you very much. Okay, so without any further ado, we're going to toss it on over to Monday's Morning Combat episode. Uh, myself, Rashad Evans, get a taste, get a little sizzle, okay? Okay, get ready. We will also have uh, the final, I guess sort of final SOC box pods this week. Uh, you know, getting you ready for Lubin Gaucher. We've got an interview with Erickson Lubin. That you're going to want to check out. Uh, Rafe Bartholomew will be in the house. But next week, we're coming MK, okay? We're coming MK at you. Uh, MK all day, every day, some days. We'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> at the end of the day, we'll figure it out. Just you be there. You enjoy it. Uh, Five-star review anywhere that you feel, you know, you can do that to help out. That'd be great. Just tell your friends, though, all right? Tweet about it. Put it on MySpace, whatever you got to do. All right, I'm going to stop rambling. You know, we got a quick pause for the cause. And on the other side, it's morning combat. Yeah. Dig it. Reveille, reveille, donks. 
Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, yeah, it is Monday, September 14th, 2020. And you best believe this right here is Morning Combat, the only show like it in the world of boxing, mixed martial arts, and beyond. That is not Luke Thomas sitting next to me this week, but that is a man you know very well, okay? Who he is, don't let it hold him back. He's going to reach for the stars. He is a UFC Hall of Famer, a former light heavyweight champion, always sweet, never sour, the tower of 40-year-old abs in ayahuasca power, Sugar Rashad Evans, my man. Thank you, sir, for joining us this week. My man, BC, it is good to be here. Great introduction, man. I'm excited to do this show with you, my man. Yeah, many people uh, have heard us before on the State of Combat on CBS Sports, but we're going through a bit of a merging right now ahead of the big MK Daily launch coming up. Morning Combat in your face, in your ear hole just about every day. The great Luke Thomas uh, going to sit one out this week, going to rest up. You better believe next week we're coming on strong. MK Daily hitting you off every single day. A couple live shows per week. And don't forget, we got the Charlo pay-per-view on Showtime. We've got a big-time UFC card with Adesanya and Costa, so a lot to get into next week. But this week, we're going to jam BC and Rashad coming at you. Uh, Rashad, South Florida, how you living? How you doing, bro? I'm living good, man. Just got back from Vegas. It uh, was a good trip out in Vegas, so uh, happy to be back home in Florida. All right, all right. Uh, as the listeners and viewers already know, you can try Showtime for free for 30 days. As Luke would say, I don't know, you can get bent, pound sand, wipe standing up if you don't like it. But why don't you go to Showtime.com now and explore. Look, you're not just getting Showtime Championship Boxing. You're not just getting great documentaries and movies. You can also go onto the app, go into that little, like, saved area. You can find Morning Combat Classics, Strike Force, Luke, me, Scott Coker, Merle Ronaldo. You're going to want to watch that archive of great moments as well. So please go to the website. Tell them BC sent you try that out and if you are jealous of the fine merch that we are putting out for morning combat in fact uh rashad you could really outfit your kids nicely in, in, in stuff like this you know this hat oh, right here okay okay uh, okay okay about, okay, uh, you know, okay. This, uh, sweatshirt <laughs> right here okay i feel like i'm in a barbershop with a uh, gym bag right now yeah uh, yeah why don't yeah, you okay. head on over <laughs> to store.show.com right now and uh i want you to feel on your body what the rest of us are feeling. You know what I'm saying, Rashad? You know, you know where I'm going with I this? Feel you, this I feel you, BC. I mean, it got a little awkward, but I, 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 I kind of feel where you're okay. going with it. Okay, got a little bit awkward. <laughs> uh, Rashad, before we kick it off and get going, you got well-wished by uh, a friend of mine and yours, Los Angeles Chargers wide receiver coach and future future pro head coach Phil McGagan signing in oh, and saying yeah. uh, tell my boy Rashad to go uh, to you know go bring it go bring it yeah right? that's that's my boy Phil yes big win for the Chargers to start it off but uh, with the pleasantries behind us uh, why don't we get into the biggest topics of the week in boxing and mixed martial arts Jay hit it for me all right. All right. Well, here we go. We're going to start off. Hey, big weekend for Bellator MMA. Not just the announcement of the move from the Paramount Network to CBS Sports Network in the Viacom CBS family. Shout out. Uh, we've, they have also announced October 10th. Bellator will be the first promotion to enter France, putting on a card in Paris featuring Czech Congo and MVP now that the sport has been legalized. And there's also two world-class level cards this past weekend. Rashad, I want to start right off with Bellator 245. Uh, some gentlemen you know pretty well. Phil Davis, Lyoto Machida mixed it up in a light heavyweight rematch, a main event, with really, although it wasn't formally announced, it was assumed a number one contender's fight, the winner most likely going to get the rising star Vadim Nemkov. It goes down as a split decision with Phil Davis edging Leota Machida, winning the first two fights against him. Uh, Rashad, as this played out, 35-year-old Phil Davis, was this impressive enough of a victory for you to potentially like his chances? Don't forget, he did fight Nemkov to a split decision two years ago in a potential title rematch. This fight was not the fight that I say, oh yeah, he's definitely got his best chance against Nemkov uh, because you see the growth in Nemkov. But what I do, do see about Phil is that Phil always rises to the level of his competition and he fights you know, kind of like his competition does. A uh, great example of that is a fight on Saturday. You know, he, he a complete kicking contest, um, come, almost negated his wrestling to a, to a larger uh, extent. 
And uh, I think when he goes against Nimkov, he's going to try to adjust his game to that level. But Nimkov, he's steamrolling right now, so it's going to be tough. You know, I was, yeah, I was impressed by Phil Davis being the quicker fighter in here, getting off first uh, consistently. Didn't go for any takedowns, which was somewhat surprising to me, considering when he defeated Leona Machida in 2013 in UFC, it was aggressive ground upon and takedowns, which surprised us. We never see Machida handled, let's say, that easily. Uh, this was a lot different. He used timing, distance, and all that. I really wasn't all that super impressed, though, Rashad. What is yeah. it about Phil Davis stepping up to the highest level of the elite where it's almost as if his ability to impress levels down just a little bit. We saw that split decision loss when he lost his title to Ryan Bader a couple of years back in Madison Square Garden. What is Phil Davis just missing from cracking the top of that mountain? It's the confidence, the overall confidence in his game. You know, when you have the overall confidence in your game, you don't look to adapt to somebody else's game. You implement your own game, and that's what you don't see in Phil. You don't see him consistently implementing that that tough wrestling that he has. You know, he has a lot of funk with his wrestling, too, so he can wrestle at a different level than a lot of guys who have, uh, you know, um, conserve, uh, regular uh, MMA jiu-jitsu or regular MMA grappling. You know, he has all that funk behind everything he does. He can, you know, pull something off just by, you know, just going for a takedown in general. So he has to go back to that. He has to find a way to make sure that he's always getting in his fights. I think what happens with him is the fact that he starts to do so much research on his opponents and then he starts to just, you know, try to shut his opponent down instead of imposing his will. Yeah, and look, Styles make fights. He fought a lot more aggressive against Nemkov the first time around. Did lose that by split decision. Will be interesting to see if he gets the call again. Rashad, we all love us some Bellator, but are you on board with this narrative, first by Ryan Bader, then by Scott Coker, now by Phil Davis, that in fact Bellator at 205 has the best division in the world when you consider John Jones, DC, Gustafson have all moved on from the UFC, and we're going to find out coming up between Dom Reyes and Jan Blahowitz, who's the man there. Does Bellator as it stands now, Nemkov, Machida, Davis, uh, you can rent uh, Gegard Mousasi, now Corey Anderson dropping in. Is this the best division in, uh, in the world at 205? They make a compelling argument. I, I definitely, uh, you know, when you say it like that, like just off the top of my head when you said it, I was like, oh, no, they're not, not even close. But um, I, think, I think it's pretty competitive. But what I would say is this right here. I would say the young blood of what the UFC has now have now in, in the 205 weight class, you know, it, it definitely can rival what they have at uh, Bellator. But at the same time, you have to go with the younger talent because it's a younger talent. You know, the UFC didn't get rid of um, Corey Anderson because they thought they had a jewel in them. They thought that they squeezed him for what he was worth. Um, I don't necessarily hold that opinion myself, but, you know, that's the way they see it. So, um you know, there, there could be something to say about the younger roster makes the better fighters. Uh, Machida at 42. Uh, I didn't I didn't think he had a case to, 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 you know, the split decision seemed a little bit closer than I had it. Uh, I didn't think he was pulling the trigger enough. Is it is the, I mean, welcome to the Machida era. I don't like to bring that up, Rashad. That, that, that's not a great moment in Rashad Evans history. Much respect here. <laughs> uh, is the Machida era over all over, though? I mean, he had a good third round, but I'm waiting all night for him to let that left hand go. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know what? I, I just think that he, he goes against a Phil Davis who, um, you know, he had nightmares about, you know, from the first time that he fought, you know, and if you ever been held down and been completely dominated like that, it can kind of stick with you for a while. So I think he was just a bit cautious. You know, he still looked like he had the quickness and he still looked like he had the legs. And when I look at a fighter who doesn't have it anymore, I look at the legs and I look at their ability to take a shot. And he looked like he still had those. But when it comes to just firing, you know, he was thinking too much. And I don't know if it's thinking too much because he's got that gun shyness to him because he's been uh, hammered too many times in the cage or because he's being conservative because he's thinking about the last time he got whooped by Phil Davis, you know? All right. Well, the close on this, uh, you know, I don't know where Machida goes from here, but if he is looking for a creative matchup, Rashad, you know, one with a little bit of storyline and history in it, one maybe with a little bit of revenge for one of my friends. Uh, I, I mean, I've seen your shirtless on Instagram there uh, working out with Coach Lester, okay? I, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? Hey, BC, listen, all they have to do is say the word, BC. All they have to do is say the word. You will have me in a fight before the end of 2020. <laughs> he's ready. He's 40. Come at him. He's a man. By the way, uh, off topic but close, I did have dinner with Scott Coker last week. Uh, 
I did bring that up, Rashad. Okay, I said the fan in okay. me did not let this conversation go without bringing that in. And, I, and, I, pre- like, and I appreciate that. Okay, thank you. All right, moving on there. Uh, quickly, that main event on Saturday night, Bellator 246, it, on paper it could have been the best fight of the weekend. Uh, played out pretty well. I enjoyed it. Vacant Bantamweight title on the line, and it was Juan Archuleta taking it home against Patchy Mix. Mix had come in unbeaten, Rashad. We'd seen some spectacular submission wins out of him but this was going to be a real proving ground tester. Archuleta has been in there against the very best, the, the Patricio uh, Pitbulls. And he's going to start his own era here. Rashad, tell me if I'm wrong. This looked a lot like the second Joanna claudia Gadela fight, where if you look at Archuleta in the role of Joanna, I'm going to take a step back, let you do what you do great for two rounds. But then as you start to slow down, I'm going to implement my veteran skills. Very heady victory for Archuleta. Yeah, you know, and he, uh, you know, he rolled out a pretty uh, tough storm and, you know, being able to survive on the ground with Patchy Mix with that jujitsu and just his ability to transition from each and every move. It's a tough, you know, tough task, especially to do that for 12, two rounds. But then you seen him start to come on as the fight went on and start putting a lot of work into the body and those body shots, you know, hitting to the body, going back up to the top. But going to the body, it really took a lot out of uh, Patchy and it made it so that he wasn't able to implement that dominant grappling game anymore. Yeah, I think it goes to show you there, you're not going to know who you are. We're not going to know as critics and pundits who you are in terms of getting thrown in the deep end until you actually do. Patchy Mix had been, you know, tapping folks quickly, but Archuleta was game in those first two rounds, even though I scored them both for Mix. I thought he was, uh, you know, he was showing the full bag of what he had on the ground. But once you get into that fight late, good God, those body shots, as you mentioned, Rashad, I think even DC was waking up and and grunting in his sleep and not knowing why. Those were uh, (laughs) brutal. This was a strong victory. Very good to see, but a pretty fun fight overall. Uh, To close on Bellator, uh, look, not bad. Going to the CBS Sports Network, going to have some interplay with the things we do on CBS Sports HQ uh, and our fine folks at Showtime, etc. Feels like a good move for them. Absolutely. You know, it's a step in the right direction and all it needs to have a step in the right direction with the right organization, with the right system around it. And these fighters are going to put on the show. You know what I'm saying? I think that this what these fighters are looking for just to be able to have that stage to just, you know, blast off to the top. And I like the Thursday night card, which is going to be a regular thing. Uh, October 15th, I believe, was the date for that uh Chris Cyborg title defense against Arlene Blanco. That's going to be the U.S. debut of this new deal. It's all going to kick off October 1st, though, with Paul Daly from uh, Italy. Good stuff there. But let's move on to our second heading of the week. Uh, Rashad, you're a great guy to go to on this one. You were in the building working the broadcast for ESPN. It was the main event of UFC Fight Night, Las Vegas, Apex, all that inside the bubble there. And we saw a fight that was elevated to the main event just weeks before when Glover Teixeira pulled out with COVID. And you had Michelle Waterson. You had yourself the women's strawweights, my favorite division, Angie Hill, the opponent, and they went five hard rounds. Rashad, this was great theater from two women who went after it. We weren't sure coming in. Is Watterson going in the other direction Why? while uh, while Angie was rising, had sort of this late career resurgence in terms of looking like she could be a real contender? Uh, in the end, it was Watterson by a hair. From your perspective, did the judges get it right? Yeah, they got it right. You know, it really came down to me uh, the last 30 seconds. You know, that last 30 seconds when you heard Michelle do that war cry and she's throwing kias and yeahs and every single punch. You know, that extra effort, it really made an impact if you were there um, because it, it let you know who was the fresher fighter. And uh, it, it just it just kind of made it seem like even the shots that she was catching her with was, was a little bit harder. And, uh, you know, also the, the front kicks that she was able to land what was something that landed big because it, it was so disruptive to the movement of Angela's progression that you just had to take note that, you know, it had to, it was a factor. So those were the things that scored big for Michelle. Um, but it didn't start off that way. You know, Angela was giving her everything that, you know, she, she could take in the beginning and, and her, Michelle's face was proving it, you know, just that forward pressure that she had. And, you know, Michelle, uh, I mean, Angela didn't really back off that pressure until Michelle started to dive underneath and get those takedowns. And once Michelle landed those takedowns and was able to be a factor on top, then Angela got a little bit more conservative about her, her uh, forward progression. And that's when Michelle started to steamroll with those front kicks. But gutsy performance by both of these ladies. 
Oh, full-on theater. Waterson, I thought she was going to get one of those Mark Hominick growths, you know? Like, it'd be great for a drug mule to kind of sneak some stuff through when you got a softball sneaking <laughs> out of your head. Uh, it, didn't, it didn't end up going in that direction, but I think that flurry at the end of f- round five, when it seemed like the fight was up for grabs, whether you believe she was landing full or not, it sells it, and I think it sold it in the end. I had it 2-2 entering that fifth round, and I did think that flurry at the end is what sort of won me over. What's interesting is Watterson was the younger fighter by one year, but Rashad, to be honest, I had thought her idea of being a legit title contender was over when she went in there two fights ago against Yuana Young-Jacek, fought her heart out over five rounds, just couldn't get over that hill against a bigger, better fighter. Yeah. She suffered a tight loss after that by split decision. This was a big win she needed, and I kind of like her comments where she said, look, the division right now, it's always packed and loaded. But you got Tatiana Suarez hurt. You got Rose Namajunas hurt. You've got uh, uh, Mrs. Amanda Nunes going into labor soon for their family. So she's not going to, Nina Ansaroff not going to be part of that. There's always the idea of if a door opens and you're hot and you're coming off of something. And I mean hot, by the way, in terms of your progression <laughs> up the ranks, although you know, it might work that way too. Uh, but if you're hot, Rashad, sometimes you can slide in. So this was as strategic a big win as possible for Michelle, who I know you've trained with and are close with. But give me the flip side on Angie Hill. She just can't seem to win these close split decisions. What is she missing, Rashad? You know, I, I, I think she hit it right on the head. You know, I think she's she's missing a grappling aspect of it. Not that she can't grapple him, but she doesn't have the kind of game that you see Michelle has to be able to impose your grappling on somebody. And, you know, we've seen in the few fights that Michelle lost, you know, uh, she lost one against Carla Esparza, then she lost another one against Joanna Young-Jacek. In the fight against Joanna Young-Jacek, she was really trying to implement this game that you've seen her pull off uh, against Angela Hill, but it was to no avail that night. But you see the fruits of that labor paid off because what she wasn't able to accomplish on Joanna, she was able to accomplish on Angela Hill. So that's what the same thing Angela needs to do. She needs to go in there and just start to just deconstruct a game and start to implement, you know, some grappling in some of these fights. And then before you know it, you have a complete game. And that's what she's really lacking. Yeah, Waterson's grappling did seem to turn the tide a couple of times. Hill's exact quote afterwards was, I've got to start taking bitches down and hugging them, which is a strategy that I used in college, not successfully, though, Rashad. Uh, looking back, though, uh, I wanted better for Angie Hill. I love the the rebirth story. She got cut years ago, right? She was part of that original Ultimate Fighter house in 2014 when the division was created. She won the Invicta Championship. She lost a ton. She run three in a row, showed us that she's for real at 35. Uh, She was doing what I thought she needed to do to win over the judges. She was landing hard shots early and walking Watterson down. But like we said, flip of the coin, as close a fight as you can have. And Rashad, I've said it before. And I'll say it once more. Uh, I don't usually day drink, and I won't today, but I do drink the Kalo hemp-infused seltzer, and I'll pour a little bit out right now for the women of 115 in the UFC. Rashad, what is it about women in general, but 115-pound women, that just gets me so damn excited? I don't know what makes them get you so excited, but I'll tell you what makes me get excited about them. I mean, they just got a ferocity that... You know, you don't really see from uh, from the other women's weight classes. You know, they just seem a little bit more cantankerous than, than the rest of them, and uh, they go out there and lay it on the line. You know, they they definitely have that. Um, they have so much skill set too. You know what I'm saying? They're like the perfect the perfect blend. I like them too, man. It's the perfect weight. I mean, the divisions yeah, are so is. shallow in UFC at 35, 45, uh, 25 is a kind of a Sarlacc pit, if you will, with Shevchenko on the bottom. And uh, this division is always fireworks. So shout out to all those women. I mean, look, it's when you look on the card, the first thing I look for are women's straw weights, okay? All right? It's just the way I'm wired, all right? You're going to have to deal with that, Rashad, okay? You know? <laughs> when when Yuana says boogie woman is coming, might not be the only one. All right, enough weird stuff, Rashad. <laughs> uh, let's roll on here. Uh, big names in the news. For our third topic of the week, and uh, hey, Conor McGregor back in the police blotter to a degree. He has denied uh, allegations coming out of France. He's on vacation in Corsica. I think there's some kind of world tour on a boat. I'm not sure, but he was in a French bar, and he was uh, detained by police and accused of attempted sexual assault and sexual exhibitionism. His team has uh, vehemently denied this. There was no arrest. Yeah, uh, Rashad, I'm not really sure you know how we can react to this we don't know the facts in in this situation this guy is a public figure though and keeps getting attached to this stuff 
your initial reaction when you heard this? Was it sort of like, all right, we'll wait for the facts? Or was it, hey, these things are piling up? Um, it was a little bit of both. You know, uh, at first I was like, dang, man, he's always getting caught up. But then I, I, I thought about it. And then I looked at... Uh, I looked at what they're saying and I looked at the allegations and, you know, it, this is another allegation. It's, it, you know, it's kind of baseless in a sense, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of, you know, uh, you know, somebody said that he, uh, indecency exposed himself or whatever the case may be. But I mean, you, you're kind of McGregor, you, you're walking around, it, it's, it's a circus around him. When people get around him, they act completely nuts. So who, who's to say what really happened? Who's to say what he really did? You know what I'm saying? And, and, and then when you start looking at the facts of the whole situation, you know, he's on, uh, you know, he, he's on the, the boat with the, the, the yacht with his wife and his family and things like that. So when, when you when you hear the heading of, you know, sexual assault, it's like one of those things like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But then, you know, uh, looking at the facts of the situation, it, it's it's more of a um, headline grabber than than actually meet to this whole to this whole um, allegations, I believe. Yeah. Right before those allegations, I believe it was the day before McGregor posted on Instagram a picture of USADA having found him out there, Rashad, uh, and hit him up with a test. And he made the joke on on uh, social media that I'm retired. But obviously, look, he's not really retired. If no, he's still if enrolled in the USADA program. Yeah, if you're in that testing pool, you're not retired. But what's remarkable is the fact that they went and found him on the yacht. And there's, you know, there, there are some people saying that you saw they don't make their way around uh, to these international spots enough. It's just funny that Conor McGregor makes sure he gets one, you know. Rashad, do you have any weird him. stories of uh, USADA walking in on the bathroom on you or uh, catching you with your pants down? Nothing, nothing weird here. Nah, I mean they they they'll find you. They'll find you everywhere you go. That's that's one hundred percent sure. You know, and they they tested me a lot when I was fighting for the UFC. Uh, no matter if I was in, you know, visiting someplace, they'll just pop up and be like, hey, uh, we we you know we we know you're here. And you know, there's a couple times where I didn't even think. Uh, like I didn't, I forgot to put in my whereabouts and I got in trouble for that, but they find you. Uh, closing on McGregor, I'm really lamenting 2020, right? We all kind of hate 2020. There's been some rough things. We're going to, we got the quarantine, the damn blank black Panther died. Uh, Cliff Robinson's not here anymore. There's been a lot of crap going on, political tension. And I feel like this derailed what would have been a McGregor UFC comeback. Now, look, him coming back, whether you like it or not, it's not on the level of some of these more serious things. I'm just saying when he walked in there and destroyed Cowboy Cerrone, whether you believe that was a perfect, you know, get well gift from the UFC or whether you thought he was completely reformed. It looked like he was ready to be busy and fight two to three more times this year and get back in the title picture and all that. And I get what the quarantine and the lack of live gates at least initially did to the idea of these big stars coming back. But Rashad, you know, people get on us sometimes as journalists, maybe not you, you, you got the fighter slash journalist thing going. So you got a, a, you know, another level of cool going on, but for the basement peddlers like myself, the mouth breathers, you know, they're like, Oh, you're just a Conor McGregor super fan. Well, you know, we've talked about this before the sports better when this guy is active, but I'm wondering if I'm drinking the juice on the idea that he's ever going to be an actual fighter again, more than a once a year giant cash in big opportunity Habib or, you know, some GSP super fight or something. I mean, every day, every month we get closer to him, you know, getting 35 and 40 in terms of age. Rashad has that ship pun intended officially sailed in your eyes that we'll never see McGregor again, fight two, three times in a year and try to be an active regular fighter. Yeah, I, don't, I think that ship has sailed. I don't think that we'll we'll see him in a regular fighting role. You know, um, just because every single time, you know, uh, even one of his fights is just there's so much that goes into it. There's so much that is at stake. There's so much to be gained, and each and every single opponent has to be mapped out. And it's and, and every time that he fights, it's a blockbuster. So you know, if you have too many blockbusters in a year, then they kind of ruined your blockbuster, right? So you can't even put them out there that much. So, I mean, yeah. And then not, and not, and not for nothing. I mean, um, you have to kind of protect him in a sense where you want to give him the kind of fights where even if he does lose, it doesn't ruin his value. And, um, that's where you at with McGregor. So I think that's, yeah, that's, that's a pretty fair assessment, BC. That is what it is right there. I mean, look, uh, Mo Money, Rashad, Mo Problems, okay? Mo Problems, B-I-G, yeah. Right. He, <laughs> he also died shortly after saying that. Uh, Rashad, you did mention Blockbuster. I, I'm looking for your 90s strategy when you would enter the store, right, the, the great VHS tape store. 
we all wanted to get behind that curtain in the back corner, right? Because you know what's yeah. back there, right? <laughs> what was your strategy? Would you sort of like run to it and just be like, I don't care? Or was it like a casual, let me look at the regular movies next to it and see if anybody's in there? I, I, I would casually do it because most of the time I went there, I probably I went there with my girl, so I really couldn't. <laughs> well, okay, okay. You, were, you were living in a different '90s than I was. All right, okay, we're getting there. Yeah, well, look, okay, you were a high school football star. People forget that there, along with the the wrestling as well. All right. Uh, also in the news on the boxing side, it's Big Red. It's Canelo Alvarez, the the globe's biggest boxing star, my number one pound for pound king. It doesn't look like he's going to be back in the ring, Rashad, anytime soon. Uh, this broke uh, a day after we did the show last week, so we didn't get into the impact, but Canelo has filed a $280 million plus lawsuit against his own, against Golden Boy Promotions, and against Oscar De La Hoya, his promoter, specifically for, uh, you know, broken promises, fiduciary, duciality, if you will, and a bunch of other stuff. Rashad, I understand specifically his, his gripe with the zone. I signed a contract for $35 million per fight, and you're offering me half that because of the quarantine. That ain't going to work. I don't think you know any court of law, as long as the contracts are written that way, are going to help out DAZN in that case. But do you make anything, and we've, we've known about Alvarez's unhappiness with, with Golden Boy over the last year, of the idea that he's straight up suing his promoter. Uh, do you think at age, I believe he's, what, 31, that he could be, or 30, I'm sorry, that he could be prepared for the possibility should this extend. Let's remember Andre Ward in his prime stepped away from the ring for something like two years to try to get out of his promotional deal. He lost in court. There ended up being a settlement afterwards. Uh, Canelo can't stop winning titles and making big checks. You think he's prepared to actually step away from that to win this? No, I I don't think so. And I don't think that, you know, uh, the De La Hoya Golden Boy Promotions are going to let that happen. I think they're going to try to look to uh, appease and try to make, look to amend the situation as, as fast as possible because, you know, they know they were wrong in the whole situation. You know, when, when you know, what happened was Canelo had a, a contract with them where he decides where, who he's going to fight, where he has the last say who he's going to, who he's going to fight. And then when zone came to the picture, Golden Boy and DeZone, uh had a contract and Canelo wasn't even there when they had their meeting and in that meeting, they discussed the fact that DAZN will have a say in who Canelo fights. And that's where the whole problem lies, the fact that Canelo's like, hold on, these these people don't got a say in who I fight and when I fight and all that, you know? So that, that's where the, the whole true problem lies. And I think that's something that can be worked out because that having Canelo sit out right now, everyone knows that's a, a lot of money to miss out. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, it's bad for the sport, too, right? He he fights yeah. the two Mexican holidays, May and September, the old Floyd and Oscar schedule, if you will, for a reason. And it became like boxing sort of, you know, majors, quote unquote. Uh, I think Canelo at this point has earned a, a Floyd Mayweather level of, of control over his future. Uh, I don't think it's going to be easy to get out of this Golden Boy contract. I think it's more likely that this was a larger scare tactic, that they'll compromise and figure something out. But I also think that if Canelo Alvarez wants to do what Floyd did or do, let's say what Miguel Cotto did late in his career, where he was only signing one-offs with each promoter or network to try to just, you know, bargain out the best opportunity, he certainly deserved that. This is the Canelo Alvarez era in boxing, whether you've recognized it or not, post-Floyd and Manny, although obviously both fighters still kind of lingering in their own way. I mean, Canelo has given us the best of the best. Yeah, he... He, he ingested some tainted meat. He's done some things. He's got really weird tattoos, Rashad, on the inside of his left forearm, including one of his wife's eyeballs. Now, Rashad, no. I, I love me, my lady, okay? Um, <laughs> I don't think I'm getting her eyeballs on my left forearm. No. Not, I mean, why, does why your eyeballs? wife have that kind of control on you? No, I mean, that means she's always watching you. That's not a good thing. <laughs> I do things with that hand, you know? I mean, what are we doing here? Wait, wait, what are we doing here? I, I do want to say this, though. Um... I hope he comes back soon. I hope we can figure this out. But the most bizarre thing that came out of this, it looks like DAZN's only stance is they're claiming, now they haven't really commented publicly, but we're kind of hearing this around the horn through sources, that they're claiming that Canelo has not given them what was contractually written, which is one quote-unquote premier opponent per year. Now, Rashad, 
they, I think, are arbitrarily going back, right, and saying, well, we don't think Sergey Kovalev and Daniel Jacobs last year were premier. Like, are you kidding me? That's a joke. Right. And now they were trying to say, well, you know, you want to fight Billy Joe Saunders. You want to fight Callum Smith. Those aren't premier. According to a source, and we've seen great reporting from the likes of Dan Rayfield and Mike Coppinger on this, DAZN's list of quote-unquote premier fighters at this point for Canelo are Gennady Golovkin, Jorge Masvidal, Habib Nurmagomedov, and 47-year-old Oscar De La Hoya. Okay. We got to decide on what we're trying to sell here, and that's, and that's the discussion that needs to be had here. Are we just trying to sell buys, or are we really trying to sell a sport with actual real competitors that deserve to be in that position? You know, and I mean, that's what they have to decide because at, at the end of the day, I mean, you have somebody who who boxes and have the technique and just a beautiful skill level of, of, of Canelo. You don't muddy him up just by letting him fight anybody. You let him fight the best. You know what I'm saying? You, you want to put him against the best talent because you want to showcase that. It, yeah. It'd be a, a ripoff to allow you to not let him show the world how great he is against other great talent. I mean, you could do uh, Maymac, by the way, when Floyd's 42 and retired for two years, which they did, and it worked. You can't put Canelo out there against Masvidal right now. You can't put him against Habib, no. who doesn't throw hands, you know, on the level that he does everything else. Uh, I mean, the, the the De La Hoya thing's laughable, although, look, I do wonder if we are headed into that direction, given the uh, unhappiness between them. But, uh, yeah, that look, this is the zone, and, and, you know, they've done a lot of great. They picked up a lot of below-the-radar big-time fights and made it accessible for us so we're not out there getting the uh, Russian malware trying to f- track down the illegal stream. But, uh, you, you, nah, nah, bro. They, they, the can't, they can't get caught up in the whole, like, circus type of promotion. Like, that's not, that's not something you want to fall into initially. That's well, something did. that kind of happens. They did the happens. YouTubers. You Rashad, they're the master of the of the oh, damn ball yeah, brothers. That's so right, it's that's it right, is on that's brand. Right, uh, that is right. It's that like, but right. look, like Canelo doesn't have that reputation of not taking tough fights. Did he wait out Triple G a year and a half? Yes. But outside of that, he's always faced the best of the best. Fought Floyd when they didn't think he should have. You know the story. Fought Trout, Lara right. back then when he when he didn't have to. Just moved up to fight Kovalev. I don't care if you think Kovalev is washed. He's a he's a huge puncher. It was a fight that mattered. So shout out to Big Red. He's done a lot of great for the sport. Uh, tattoos, you know, notwithstanding. All right, let's roll on here, Rashad. We got a fight this Saturday night uh, on the UFC side. The fight night, Las Vegas. That is definitely very interesting, given their history. Of as former teammates at ATT, uh, grudges against each other, and now some interesting pivotal, let's say, uh, positioning in the welterweight division. When Colby Covington, coming off of that title loss, goes in there against Tyron Woodley, who's coming off multiple despondent losses. Rashad, I think the narrative here, despite Donald Trump's uh, endorsement this morning on social media of Colby Covington, is uh, is T Wood cashing himself out because. His title loss to Kamaru Usman, his subsequent loss to Gilbert Burns, I just didn't see a guy who wanted to pull the trigger. I could have very easily have seen Tyron Woodley retire, take an easier fight, take some time off, figure some things out. He's going right back into the lion's den against a game fella in Colby Covington. What the heck are we supposed to expect right now from T. What a guy I love. Give me some Tyron Woodley. I love that man. Man, we're supposed to expect a dogfight. You know, uh, Tyron's fighting for his career. He's fighting for his life as he know it, as he know it for the last few years. You know, um, when you're in a position like Tyron, you're trying to, uh, you know, go back in time and try to, you know, uh, experience what you once had. And, and you'll give anything for that. And at that point, at this point that he's at right now, he doesn't believe that he doesn't have it anymore. He doesn't believe that he's lost a step. He, you know, he knows where his trouble has lied as far as just mentally not being prepared, going into the fights and not mentally staying on and being distracted, having too many things going on outside of his fights that pulls attention away. So those are the things that, you know, he, he knows, but, um, He's fighting a really uphill battle because now his confidence has been chipped away. You know, losing the way that he has against Gilbert and against Kamaru, you know, that starts to beat up at your confidence. That starts to beat up at your ego. But he's he's been able to, I guess, rebuild, you know, himself a bit, you know, having training camp with Masvidal, getting some mind wine from his coach, Dean Thomas, about just, you know, accepting that feeling, accepting that fear that he has, you know, just, you know, from losing like that. So he's making the right steps. 
but he's going against a very, very, very tough Kobe Covington. And a quiet Kobe, a very quiet very Kobe quiet. is a dangerous Kobe. Well, I felt like, you know, this fight should have been, you know, could have been a giant sort of pay-per-view type fight, but there's almost no buzz around it. And I think, look, when you get a typical grudge match, we were going to expect a lot of fighting, you know, in interviews and TV. We really didn't see any of that. And I think, obviously, it's dumbed down or, or watered down by the fear we have of what's left with Woodley. Because this has some, some sneaky action potential here, especially since Colby is looking to use his hands more. And uh, I just don't have that confidence that T. Wood's going to go in there and let the hands go. We talked about this in the past, Rashad. I love his welterweight title run. I think it was very underrated. He didn't get the support promotionally from UFC and Dana White. They were always sort of fighting. What he did on that stretch and went in there... And beat each guy from Walt Lawler through Till through Mayo uh, Thompson at what they do best, basically. But each of those fights, except for maybe the first uh, uh, Wonder Boy one, which was a draw, he was the leader in those fights. He dictated the terms and the game plan. He was almost like a front runner. And I wonder if that sort of changed him as a fighter, right? He didn't have to bring out right. the dog in most of those fights because job one, game plan A, was completely successful. Uh, when he was forced to be in that spot against Usman and Gilbert Burns, it wasn't that he tried and failed. I don't think he tried. You know, there was there was a there was a there was a failure to to launch. There was the wires were crossed up here. I hope that knowing what's at stake, mainly his future and reputation. To be really honest with you, I don't want to see him go quietly into the night. I want to see him throw some hands. And if he does, Rashad, Colby and Usman aren't the same fighter. Usman was mm -hmm. able to ground and pound and ragdoll. Will Covington have that same advantage potentially should he want to bring it out onto Woodley? Well, yeah, I, I totally agree. And if, for me, if you want to look and try to find the, the black box, you know, if you say uh, where things started to go wrong for Tyron, I think you have to look at the rap albums. You know, I think, you know, not, not to try to diss them or nothing like that, but those are the kind of things that lead you from doing what you're what you're supposed to be doing you know um not saying that you can't branch out and broaden your brand out but when it starts to pull at your attention and your focus on what you need to be focusing on or being champion then that's when it becomes a problem and i think all those other things that tyring getting caught up with the whole hollywood lifestyle i think those are the kind of things that start to really chip at that armor of being a champion because you can't be a champion and be Hollywood at the same time. It just doesn't match. You know what I'm saying? You, like like Hagler said, you know, it's hard to wake up in the morning and train when you wake up in silk sheets. That's true. That's true. I don't have silk sheets, but I'm sure that's true, Rashad. Uh, <laughs> Ronda Rousey did find out that juggle with Hollywood didn't work out the same way. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I, I, lo I love T. Wood. I hope he can at least give his best effort, and we'll see if that's good enough. For Colby Covington, though, because his brand is, is sort of uh, facing upward despite that title loss to excuse me, Kamaru, in which they went five vicious rounds before the late stoppage. Do you think this secures a title shot with a win here, knowing that Gilbert Burns is probably going to get the next one, or he is going to get the next one officially, and then you still have Leon Edwards lingering around saying, what else do I have to do? I think it all depends on how he does this fight. You know, if it's a very impressive win, then people are going to be calling for that fight with uh, Kamaru right away. You know, if, if, he looks, if he goes in there and he looks super impressive and looks better than Kamaru did against Masvidal, then people are going to be calling for that fight. Um, you know, one thing about Kobe is, is the fact that, you know, people learned so much about him in that fight with Kamaru. We knew that he was tough. We knew that he was, you know, beating people by landslide, but we just didn't know how tough to gauge his toughness compared to somebody like Kamaru. But in that fight with Kamaru, we learned a lot about Kobe, and we learned that he has not only a lot of mouth, he got action behind it. So, you know, people are starting to look at him with new eyes. And, um, you know, it... T. Wood is in for the fight of his life. You know, it's 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 really it's really a tough position to be in when you're in there with somebody who talks as much mess as Kobe, and you just can't lose to him. That 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 has to suck. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, they I mean they used to sell the drama between them uh, much better back in the day in terms of trash talk back and forth, and Kobe saying that you know he made. Woodley tap out and cry and all that. Uh, we'll see here. It's going to be a very interesting bout. Five rounds. Uh, I hope Woodley pulls the trigger. I I'd like to see some wrestling. I'd like to see the T-Wood of old make a little bit of a comeback. But as we found out, Rashad, it's not, you know, sometimes it could be in your head, not in your body, or, 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 or you know, vice versa. You've been there down the e end of your career when yeah. you still carry yourself as a champion. But if everything's not aligning right, right, then, you know, mind, body, soul, spirit, all that. 
it, well, it is hard. It is hard. Yeah, well, I think I think Dean Thomas he he did a post about it this weekend that really just uh, solidified what what it is. You know, that happens to you as you get older as a fighter. He said when you're in your twenties, you want to fight everybody, but then you know as you get older. You, you don't want to fight everybody, you know, you, you'd rather sit down and buy them a beer or buy them a dinner, you know what I'm saying? Just because you start to cerebral, uh, cerebrally start moving in a different way. And uh, mentally, you just don't look at fighting the same way and you don't feel fighting the same way. So at that point, when you reach the same point, you have to recalibrate why you're doing it. You know, you're not doing it for the same reasons as you were doing it when you started it when you were much younger. Now you have to recalibrate that and say, okay, now I'm doing it for this and truly believe it and get behind that belief like you did the first time. Uh, Rashad, this is a pretty damn good undercard. This is like a, uh, you know, Applebee's two apps for $20 special type deal. There's a lot of little fixings on here that I'm interested in sampling here. If you had to look up and down, I'm going to want to know which storyline on the undercard are you most excited for? I'm going to hit you right off the top. Don Cerrone's coming off of four straight losses. And he's going in there against an absolute savage in this co-main event against Nico Price. We've seen the cowboy, Rashad, just as you're ready to mark him as washed and done. Dig deep and pull on I mean, the Alexander Hernandez fight. Dig deep and remind you exactly who he is. Um, I hope he can do that here because as much as cowboy is like, you know, Zufa for life and the ultimate company man, it's hard to, for them to keep promoting you when you've suffered five straight defeats, especially many of them by knockout. I think we're going to see a cowboy who's really going to pour it out in there. And this could be some freaking violent theater. Are you ready for this? I'm ready for this. And it's definitely going to be some violent theater. I mean, first of all, Nico Price is an absolute maniac inside the octagon. Uh, just looking at some of his highlights and some of the fights that he, you know, he, he's won, you know, he finds a way to get it done in the most odd and most bizarre ways sometimes. But he gets it done and he's got a dog in him. You know, he's, he's one of those guys that uh, he likes to take a beating before he goes in there and, and finish you off. And, um, you know, Cowboy has to find a way to, to, to not even uh, give way to any of that. You know, he has to continue to put the pressure on right from the start and uh, dive into some of his, his game and some of his tools that he don't really use. I'm telling you, Cowboy has the most amazing jujitsu I've, I've ever, I've ever seen. But he doesn't use it enough. And I think if he starts to use it enough as he gets older, he can squeeze out a few more years or, or, or a few more wins. Yeah, Cowboy Dad and his wife just had another child. I, I forgot what they named it, like something outdoorsy that, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But shout out to the Cowboy family right there. Rashad, any other subhead quickly uh, jumping out to you on this card? Uh, I mean, I like me some Johnny Com Walker back. I, listen, listen, comes that Shemayev, hands down to me. Hands down, is probably the best athlete fighter I've ever ever seen in real life train. Wow! Swear to God, ever. I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm, I'm not playing. I'm Forever, not playing. Ever. Forever, ever. Like, uh, like, like. I mean, he's pretty dope, man. He's pretty dope. I was watching him train the Couture's gym uh, just a few days ago, and his creativity, his ability, his vision and sight. Is is on the next level, man. He's he's he's. I mean, like, he's. I can't say ever ever because, of course, I've seen some great challenges. But you I said would say, ever ever, Rashad. You well, said I mean, it, okay, okay. okay. I, ever ever is a long time. He's <laughs> he's got some skill. I, I will say this. He's he's. Um, people should be worried about him. They really you know, we, should be we, worried about. We him. want to learn our lessons of overhyping guys. We talked about this a lot. But he, you know, you know, because you can have a Sage Northka, you can have a Tom Dukinwa, a uh, Duhu Choi. You know, these guys are like, oh, my God, they're going to be the next thing. And then it just doesn't happen. But he does really have that sort of next level thing going, not just his Listen. aggression, but the attitude for him to so easily rip all these elite fighters and call them out and laugh at them. I saw that video where he dropped Gustafson with a body shot and sparring. Uh, what's interesting here against Gerald Mearshart is they're already talking about making the Demian Maya fight for uh, Chimaev and, and Mir Mirshart not happy about that. He's taken the whole underdog overlooking me approach. Uh, that should make him fired up. This could be a good one, Rashad. This could be it it could be definitely be a good one. I mean, you know, uh, it will be a good one. I just, I just when I, when I look at Shemaev, you know, he has an ability on the ground and we've seen him just dominate guys on the ground and just have that Habib type game. But what I seen from him at Couture's gym was like, some unboxed stuff like he was he was honestly like 
like doing some creative stuff and just the way he was moving in and out, um, his setups, his vision, seeing things coming at him. It was uh, it was amazing, man. I think that, you know, when it comes to overall game, you know, he's he's definitely top of the ladder in his weight class. And soon the world is going to find out. This card also giving us a women's strawweight special, Mackenzie Dern and Randa Marcos, which whew, I can get down with that every day of the week. Uh, that's not the only big-time fisticuffs this weekend. Showtime Championship Boxing back, back at you with a bang. And this is, as we know, an absolutely loaded era for the 154-pound division, junior middleweight, super welterweight, whatever you want to call it. 99% uh, of the fighters that matter are under that that uh, that premier boxing champions banner we know a week from next weekend september 26th we're going to get that double charlo pay-per-view and specifically jermel charlo putting his title on the line against jason rosario who won those two titles at 154 by knocking out j-rock williams three of the four titles will be at stake well the winner of that fight could be on the hook to face the winner of this one on Saturday night when 25-year-old Erickson Lubin goes in there against Terrell Gaucher. Uh, Rashad, this is a sneaky good matchup here at 154 because Gaucher may have either lost or maybe not always looked the best when he stepped up to the very elite level, but I look at him as a sneaky out, a guy with Olympic pedigree and experience, a guy who can really box and he's tough. I thought he beat Austin Trout in his last fight, but he got a draw. Obviously, the big name coming in here is Erickson Lubin, the younger guy, but both guys can win this fight. And when you're talking about the winner being a mandatory for that WBC title and the fact that the winner of Charlo Rosario is going to have to fulfill that mandatory, we're starting to put the storylines together. You know, I beat this guy. I'm going to have to fight this guy. Division's loaded. We got Erislandi Lara. We got J-Rock Williams, Jarrett Hurd, Brian Castano, Tony Harrison. We got enough for like a 12-man tournament. But uh, how much have you seen, Rashad, of the hammer, Erickson Lubin? Because this guy's hungry. I've seen a bit of him. I watched a few highlights of him. Uh, you know, he's got super fast hands and just, um, you know, he, he's got that dog in him. You know, I think that, you know, um, being knocked out by Charlo is really kind of lit a fire under him. And he's kind of got this mentality where, you know, he feels like the underdog. He feels like people are counting him out. You know, um, there, there's there's nothing that's going to keep him down. I was watching some videos when he was training, you know, during the pandemic and was just, you know, mentally motivating himself. But, you know, he's, he knows that he talked himself into, uh, talked himself into this fight. You know what I'm saying? Calling out Gosha and, and just, you know, talking all that trash. And whenever you talk that trash, you have to train at this level. You have to because that, that trash talking, that does not sit well when you got your butt whipped. <laughs> Yeah, look, Lubin is hungry. I have not see, heard this level of trash talk out of him before. I talked to him last week about this fight, and he's fired up. He thinks it's his time now to become the face of this division. We mentioned 25 years old, and he now thinks that loss to Jermel Charlo in 2017, first-round KO, it was devastating, right? He now looks at that as a blessing in disguise, something that he ultimately needed to have happen to him in order to... Uh, Learn what he needed to learn. And since then, he's bounced back three, four good-looking wins. He retired Ishe Smith. He came in there against Nathaniel Gallimore in his last one and looked absolutely fantastic. Just shut him down. Uh, he's hungry and ready. He's got that big left hand. He called him the hammer for a reason. But he's a guy who could have gone the long Olympic amateur route and made that decision at, what, 18 to turn pro, originally promoted by Mike Tyson. And he's really working himself together. I love the relationship he's having right now with Coach Kevin Cunningham. He's a tough ass, doesn't take no crap, has a history of working well with softballs like Devin Alexander. So this is going to be a good fight because Gaucher, if they make this a X's and O's battle, I could see him really banking some rounds and getting in there. It's going to be up to Lubin to let that left hand go and be the aggressor and make a statement here. And Rashad, as we mentioned, uh, I can't wait for that Charlo-Rosario fight. Uh, I love me some of these Lions only Charlos, but uh, Jermel's going to have a fight. Have you seen this guy, Banana, Jason Rosario? It's a big right hand, brother. Yeah, yeah, he does have a big right hand, and uh, and Charlo's going to have to watch out for that. You know, whenever you're going against a guy with that big right hand that has the ability to get you out of that one big right hand, you can be hot for the whole night, but you always got to make sure that big right hand. But Charlo is so defensively sound, you know, and, and just and just got that that presence in, in, in the uh, the ring that I don't think that big right hand is going to be a factor. I think he's going to find a way to neutralize it and just do what he does. 
Can't wait for that. Don't forget, September 26th, Showtime pay-per-view. Uh, I don't know if you want to call it the intermission, the halftime show, but MK's got you covered. Your boy BC, Luke Thomas, on the pay-per-view broadcast, right? 7 p.m. Eastern start. Two separate three-fight cards in the middle for a half hour. You're going to get yourself some morning combat, okay? So how about that, all right? I'll wear my best T-shirt. Let's do it. From the bubble, Mohegan Sun fired up indeed. That'll wrap it up for our big topics of the week. Rashad, we now transition to a segment where the people speak, okay? They want to be heard. The viewers, the listeners were deep in their ear hole each week. It's time to hear DMs from Dolph. Uh, full disclosure here, we have not been briefed on these, so we're going to do it on the fly here at dip. 3886 going to kick us off. So, Rashad, this one's a little bit sexy. I like this. With Dustin <laughs> Poirier having pulled out of the negotiations, claiming that the UFC doesn't want to pay him to fight Tony Ferguson at UFC 54, sorry, 254 in that co main event, what would be your ideal choice to replace Poirier against Tony Ferguson? Dip has offered Michael Chandler or Charles Oliveira as potential options. I like that Michael Chandler. I think that'd be a great fight for Michael Chandler to come into. It'd be tough. It'd be a baptism by fire. But at the same time, you know, Chandler's at a, you know, Chandler's not the youngest kid on the block. He don't have time to sit up there and march his way all the way up through the uh, through the rankings. And he wants to come in there and make an impact. There would be no bigger impact. Oh God, than going he'd be a title challenger of... tomorrow if you won that fight. I mean, That's that'd be massive. Yeah. Whew. Um, I'm still interested to see where this free agency goes. If if. Chandler and Bellator can come back to terms and we can get, you know, into making that rematch with Pitbull or whether it's time, you know, at 34, looking great. It's time to go in the UFC. This is as tough of a, on the dream list of matchups for Michael Chandler to debut against, right? We talked about Paul oh, Felder yeah. would be great. Kevin, future champion Kevin Lee would be great. Yeah, Tony Ferguson would be even better. And if we can't get Poirier Ferguson, which I really think was going to be in the discussion for best non-title UFC fight in history, really. Rashad, it's up there with Evans versus Rampage, right? First guy to oh, tear yeah. the door off the socket. <laughs> People forget, hey, it did a million pay-per-view buys back when, hey. They forget. I don't want to say they back forget. when that meant something. It means something today to do a million-plus pay-per-view buys, all right? So shout out to that grudge match and the power of the ultimate fighter back then in drawing ratings. Um. Give us a full disclosure here on the set of Tough with with uh, with Rampage Jackson. A was that door uh, made out of anything but flypaper? And B, <laughs> did you guys really come close to breaking contracts and throwing in the uh, in the Tough House? Yeah, that 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 door was a cardboard door, pretty much. Uh, they expect them to get broke. Fighters lose all the time and punch them, so they make them pretty flimsy. Uh, and yeah, we we came to blows, almost came to blows a few times to the point where. You know, Dana had to, you know, like put us to the side and be like, listen, 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 we, we cannot have you guys fight at all because it was getting to the point where every single time we see each other, it was like on site. That's still the best season of Tough. Now, that's the heavyweight season, correct? Yeah, heavyweight season. That, that had Kimbo, Roy Nelson, Mitrione, Showtime's Brendan Schaub checking in yeah. there as well. So, uh, oh, yeah. You got any good of memories of, of, did you coach Schaub? Nah, yeah, I did. I did. I did coach him. I just coached Schaub. Yep. We'll forgive him for him picking Connor to knock out Floyd, but outside of that, we love ourselves some Brandon Schaub in these parts. <laughs> All right, uh, Rashad, yeah, um, I, you know, Ferguson, uh, Connor would be great, not going to happen. If it's either of those names mentioned, if it's uh, anyone from Felder to, to Kevin Lee, it, really, you can't go wrong here. You do want a really big one, though. You want to reward Ferguson for taking the the interim title opportunity against Gaethje on such short notice. Obviously, if either Habib or Gaethje get hurt, Tony's going to be the one who slides in there, so a lot of big things. But you want to get Ferguson something soon because I think the fact that he stayed out for so long was the main reason why uh, he got smashed up against against Gaethje like that. Fair, very fair. I mean, not fair. saying not 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 trying to take anything away from Gaethje. I'm just saying, like, I think that you know the starting and stopping and just not being active is really what uh, caused. No, Ferguson. Rashad, this is the real show. We take things away from people on the show, right? Okay? <laughs> I'll take away your innocence if you watch this enough. Okay, thank you. Hey, let's move on from Danny, from at Danny Warner G. Danny Warner G. He says, if Habib is so focused on legacy, why has he never talked about going up a weight class and doing the double champ thing? Ooh, interesting, Rashad. Um, I don't know if I've ever heard Habib say it or be against it. I mean, could you imagine him wanting a Kamaru Usman for all the marbles champ champ welterweight bout? Um, 
No, I can't because that that, that right there is is um, it would be too ego driven for Habib. I think that you know he's 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 one of those fighters who uh, you know he wants to beat everyone in his weight class and, and he doesn't you know feel the need to go up or anything like that. I feel like he and especially since he has a relationship with Kamaru, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I don't think that he would do that. I think if if it was somebody like GSP out of weight class, I think that would be the only exception. But I think he's a, he's he's trying to just solidify things in his own weight class. And look, Danny Warner G has written this in a in a sense that it sounds like he's sort of taking a shot at Habib. Um, I get it. Now you know there is a holy grail element in becoming a, a two division champion to a degree. I also think it's been overplayed and bastardized, and more people have gotten opportunities at that than maybe didn't deserve. I mean, look like. That Holly Holm GDR fight could have gone the other way, and Holm could have been a two division champion. Doesn't mean you know that that changes her legacy too much. Uh, good God, Durandamy could have been a two division champion if right. she had beat Amanda that time. So you know, Cejudo got it at a time I didn't think he deserved it. Yet since then, he's said, "Look, I'm one of the best ever." You know, fight me on that, and I think he's right. Um, I don't think it's a slight against Habib. He has the opportunity, Rashad, and you and I talked about this ad nauseum on our podcast. That should he go the distance beat Gaethje, and then do that retirement bout next April, whether it's against Tony, Connor, GSP, whatever. In this modern-day era, good Lord, if you retire undefeated at this level, that's an, that's yes. a, you know, it's both equally overrated and underrated, but at the same time, it's super impressive to be able to do that. He will be in that conversation with John Jones if he pulls it off, whether Luke Thomas wants to believe it or not. Absolutely, absolutely. And that, and that to me... It, that solidifies his legacy more than anything. And like you said, I think too much has been made about the double champ and all that stuff. You know, it, it's it's truly about the body of work and and who you've beaten and the way you've beat him. And you know, I don't I don't think that he's even lost a round. You know, I think maybe he lost maybe one round. One to Connor. And well, one to Con well, let's be honest. Connor. Your boy Glyson Tebow won a couple rounds against him, but the judges didn't recognize it. But Connor has officially won a round against him. Yeah, Connor, Connor won a round against him. That's right. Connor did win a round against him. So, I mean, that that's greatness. That's legacy right there. Now, obviously, if any Habib legacy discussion, you're going to counter back and look at the injuries, the time off, the uh, the fa times you couldn't take fights due to fasting, all that stuff. He didn't fight in the end if he only has two more the amount of names we would have loved him to, but when you go that that type of stretch with losing one round, I mean, I'm sorry, like you're, you you know, he will smash your boy. He's he's the real. So there it is. Smash, right. I smash. Yeah, just send him the damn location. Uh, from at <laughs> Leah M O'Brien. I can't tell if this is an Irish male. Or if this is a lady. Wow, we got some females watching the show. Shout out to that. They want to know Rashad Evans of all your walkout songs in your career. Which one was your favorite? Step into a world. The 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 the, the uh, KRS One song. Step oh, nice. into a world, man. Yeah, that was. What stretch of your fights did you use that? I use them for a little bit. I use it when I fought Rampage, and I use it like during that during that whole time. I I think I changed it up once I lost a few times, but whatever while, fight, whatever song it. you used against Sam Alvey, let's never let's <laughs> delete it I from your iTunes account. I think I didn't, I didn't, I think I didn't come out to no music to that. Song. No, no, <laughs> I that think, fight. yeah, yeah, that was it. Uh, who, what did you choose against John? Was that KRS one against John Jones? I don't know. I wasn't KRS one. I can't remember what I used against John Jones. And what, know, Rashad, but... what is the biggest, like you, you have a hall of fame career. You freaking knocked out Chuck Liddell with one punch. You also won the UFC title. But you had that big selling pay-per-view with Rampage. You had the damn, um, you know, grudge match with John. What's the, what's the biggest night of your career? Not in terms of, like, accomplishment. What do you think was the highest platform you reached? Was it the John fight? Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, that mattered. That yeah, mattered sure. it, no, it, it, it did matter. It did matter. Uh, but I think the Rampage one was, was a true one because I think that one kind of pulled people in more. You know what I'm saying? Because of the beef with me and Rampage and the fact that it was on, you know, uh, on Ultimate Fighter show and it was, you've seen him beef for weeks and weeks and weeks. So it had much more of a buildup, you know? Yeah. How about two black men pull, pulling off one million buys on the pay-per-view there? A lot of people uh, got behind that. Same thing with Angela Hill becoming the first African-American female this past weekend to uh, headline a UFC card. So good on all of that. Uh, let's go on at Crowned Terror. 
Rashad, everybody always asks, who hit the hardest? But with all respect, who hit you and you thought to yourself, wow, I didn't even feel that. Love you guys. Thanks. A little bit of a loaded <laughs> question here, Rashad. <laughs> um, who, who hit me hardest? I think Keith Jardine hit me the hardest. I remember fighting Keith Jardine. That was a great fight, hit, by the way, from The Ultimate Fighter. People never talk about that fight. Yeah, that was a great fight. He hit me, and, uh, like, I remember, like, for a minute, I went out, and then I woke up, and then I thought, the referee hit me. You know what I'm saying? Because it was just, like, one of those It was like one of those things, you know? It was Mazzagatti, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that was one of them. And, and, the, and the hardest blow I ever received in a fight that I f- immediately felt, because sometimes you don't really immediately feel the, the hits in a fight, was when I got kicked in the eye against, uh, against, um, oh my gosh, that's took my tongue. Tashira? Not Glover, not Glover. It was uh, Sam Hoger. Sam oh, Hoger, one yes, of my first yes. fight. He, it was a third round. Everything was going beautiful. And he threw a kick and it hit me in the eye. And immediately, it was like the worst pain I've ever felt in my life, man. It was terrible. But that, that was it. And who All did right, I but- fight? Sp- you know the real spirit of this question, Rashad. They want to know, with all respect, who hit you and you thought to yourself, wow, I didn't even feel that. I know the story you're about to tell. Tell the damn Machina story. Do it. <laughs> no, no, I can't say what I mean. Machida, Machida did. He At first, he wasn't really thumping with anything, but then he did come with some power. But I'll say whoever punch, who punched me, I just didn't really feel it. Um, uh, um, believe it or not. I, I would I would say, believe it or not, it was probably it was probably Brad Imes. Brad Imes hit You're me. Just walking the, through those. You're walking through the big. Yeah, I, 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 well, I remember I remember he hit me with a couple punch, and I was like, they didn't hurt as bad as I thought they would hurt. You know what I'm saying? I thought I remember, you were gonna set me up with the uh, Machida give you a little okey doke, little tap, 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 and then he brought the pain. All right. You, you know, you know. Here's here's the thing about it. it's like, like. When you get punched in a fight, you know, if, if it's always the ones you don't see, that's always the one that rock you. Even if the guy doesn't have much power, those are the ones that rock you because you don't have a chance to brace for it. So, um, you know, that's why it makes it hard to say who hits the hardest, you know what I'm saying? Because all these guys got different powers compared to just based on how much you are ready for it. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Love the insight. Thank you. Uh, from at Brian C. Campbell, Rashad, which Shevchenko sister do you think is hotter? Oh, sorry. That was that was from me. Um, at Guwap Macaroni. Is there there's some racial slurs in there? I don't know. But Rashad, if it was allowed, would you fight on acid or shrooms? Wow. Very woke question here for 2020 medication. Um, I, I, shrooms, 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 definitely. Uh, you know, I, I used to train on shrooms. I do a microdose and I train on shrooms. Wow. You make, yeah. You just can't make sure you got to make sure you just don't do too much. But what happens, you know, whenever I trained on, on shrooms is it kind of like, uh, it makes everything slow down like the matrix. It, it, it was crazy. You just got to make sure you do the right dose because you, you know, uh, you can get into that zone where you kind of feel a little too good, and then then it's not good for sparring. But there wow. there is a we certain. We got you saw on line one here, Rashad. <laughs> <laughs> Retroactively, yeah. There there is a certain dose where you can you can get you can take and you just be totally plugged in. I know some fighters who actually fight on on mushrooms and they and they love it. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. I guess we're gonna have to end that story there. But uh, <laughs> uh, what would it take to have a morning combat outing? in which you, myself, Luke Thomas, I don't know, we went to like Joshua Tree and we licked toads together and had the <laughs> cameras rolling. And uh, I'll, I'll dig deep, Rashad. I'll, I'll find the inside of myself, okay? Let's do it. I think, I think that would be a great idea, man. I think it, we've got the cameras rolling. I think that we'll, we'll have a very uh, cathartic experience. I got, a, I got a perfect shaman. His name is Producer Jay. Can we bring him in? Jay, are you there? <laughs> Jay? Jay, would you Jay, would you facilitate this, Jay? Uh, I would facilitate it. I don't know how much uh, partaking I would do in all the uh, good times, but um, I would definitely facilitate it. I think it would be good entertainment. Jay, you know Quality. they're calling you uh, Jet Engine Jay on on social media. You know you had a rough week. People are coming for.